Time for seafood news. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Foreign Trade Data. Reduce uncertainty, minimize risk, and uncover opportunities with the only website designed for the seafood import and export community. I'm News Assistant Ryan Doyle. And I'm Erner Barry Seafood Market Reporter Lauren Castiglione. Thanks for joining us. In our top story of the day, protests, strikes, and curfews in Chile have impacted salmon production. According to the latest reports out of the country, the most recent strikes of the Chilean workforce began after trade unions and other social groups wanted their voices heard in President Sebastian Piñera's social reform plan. The death toll rose to 18, and 6,000 citizens have been detained by authorities as of August 25th. The capital of Santiago and other cities continue to enforce overnight curfews as well. Certain plants in the country are only able to operate at 50% capacity, as curfews are forcing companies to run just one morning shift. Industry sources tell Erner Barry that traveling at nighttime is more dangerous, and curfews throughout the country make bringing in a night shift crew difficult. Some suppliers who have been able to operate still have salmon sitting at the airport. Others who are attempting to transport product through other countries are seeing challenges as well, and some have had their product waiting at the border. Suppliers continue to take a day-by-day approach to the situation. Erner Barry market reporter Janice Schreiber spoke to the Chilean filet market, saying, Again, in contrast to the situation last week, the Chilean filet market continues to firm. Supplies are extremely tight, and market participants report that due to the protests in Chile, supplies and offers are light. The market continues to adjust higher, and some sharply higher offers have been collected. Many market participants report that contract needs are given more priority over spot market needs. The undertone is highly unsettled heading into next week. The overall market reaction for the salmon complex has been extremely firm throughout the week. The farm salmon index jumped 11.2% this week. This market situation is vastly different than the previous nine weeks where the complex continually declined. The undertone for the farm salmon complex heading into next week remains unsettled. However, the supply situation may remain light for the next two weeks. From a market perspective, it may take time for Chile to get back to normal production. Chile is on holiday Thursday and Friday of this week, which will affect production too. Chairman of the House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure, U.S. Representative Peter DeFazio, criticized the Pebble Mine Project, calling it a sham this week. His comments came during an oversight hearing examining the impacts of the proposed Pebble Mine project. He criticized the project as a shell game, pointing to inflated job creation numbers, wishful claims of environmental protection on a project unprecedented in scale, and noted the absence of financial viability of the project. DeFazio also criticized the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for rushing the review of the project without properly considering the credibility of the proposal and its risks. And now, Lauren, many of our listeners may be familiar with Pebble Mine as we've covered it a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot on this podcast. And it is a really big situation. It's continuing to ramp up here these next couple of weeks. Um, but let's provide some background on the project and why it has become so controversial. Definitely. The Pebble Mine Project is a mineral exploration project in southwest Alaska in the Bristol Bay watershed. A mining permit is currently pending review by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. The Bristol Bay Alaska watershed is home to the largest salmon run in the world and critical to the Alaska native villages, fishermen, and businesses. About 31% of the world's wild sockeye harvest, which generates $1.5 billion annually and supports more than 10,000 U.S. jobs, depends on the Bristol Bay watershed. Yeah, the largest salmon run in the world. We need to say that one more time. (laughs) So DeFazio noted Pebble Mine's potential impacts reach farther than Alaska. 
Oregon fishermen hold more than 130 permits to fish in Bristol Bay, which provide more than $10 million for Oregon fishermen and accounts for more than 500 jobs. Additionally, West Coast fish processing facilities that depend on healthy salmon harvest employ thousands of Oregonians. Here is what DeFazio said in his remarks. Let me state right from the start that the Pebble Mine proposal is a bad idea, made even worse by the sham review process currently underway. DeFazio's questions and criticism regarding the Pebble Mine project echo many of those from the Pacific Northwest lawmakers, as many in the Alaska and Pacific Northwest seafood industry fight an ongoing battle. And Lauren, October, as many say in the industry, is called National Seafood Month for a reason. Demand is quiet. And the creation of this holiday, so to speak, is a way to boost consumer interest since the U.S.'s appetite for seafood tends to wane during the fall. There are several seafood items, however, that are swimming upstream this season. Each species has its own story to tell, but the theme circles around a lack of supply coupled with what appears to be an insatiable demand. Let's highlight a few. So we will kick things off with king and snow crab. Both king and snow crab demand have been active over the past several weeks. Most sizes are sitting at either all-time highs or 52-week highs. Both Russian red and golden king crab are seeing upwards pricing pressure on all sizes. The pricing pressure is coming about even with imports out of Russia, specifically on red and blue king crab, which are higher year-to-date. Red king crab out of Russia is up 13.5% through August, and blue king crab, which is typically sold in the U.S. as king crab red equivalent, is up 144.6% out of Russia. Now let's talk some snow crab. The market out of Canada for snow crab has been firm since the end of August on all sizes. For most of the season, larger snow crab in particular were seeing thinning supplies, but market participants report that all sizes are moving quickly and supplies are growing tighter. New season crab out of Canada will not be around until the end of April or the beginning of May 2020. Alaska just announced a 24% quota increase for snow crab. However, the product will not reach the lower 48 until sometime into the new year. Five to eights are at a 52-week high at a Newfoundland and the Gulf, and 10-up crab is at an all-time high. Imports of Russian snow crab through August are down 7.6%, thus adding to a lack of available snow crab in the current U.S. market. Next up, we look at live lobster. Market prices for both hard and new shell lobsters are decidedly firm as supply is extremely limited in the market. The main lobster fishing season, by all accounts, has been disappointing. Reports indicate that the catch is off 25 to 50% from last year. Live lobster exports to Canada historically peak in August. However, exports to Canada for the months of July and August were down 80% and 20% respectively compared to last year. Total live lobster exports to Canada have been trailing their five-year average since June and are now down 16% for the month of August. Total year-to-date live exports are down 43% compared to 2018. The Canadian Fishing Zone LFA 25, which opened in August and recently closed, offered no relief to the live market as most product landed was used for the processing sector. In addition, overall industry inventory remains extremely low, while demand for product from the processing sector remains strong. This combination of low supply and high demand is price supportive. Hard shell New England selects are currently trading 16% higher than their 10-year average for the month of October. New England new shell halves are trading 25% higher than this time last year. And check out seafoodnews.com if you're interested in seeing what other items are swimming upstream during National Seafood Month, because we got a lot of good stuff from our market reporters like Lauren up on the site this this week. No problem. (laughs) Okay, Ryan. So how about we finish off Seafood Month with a fun pop culture segment, shall we? Sounds good to me. Amanda would be so proud of us. (laughs) So let's really give people what they came here for. 
So last weekend, Mainly Lobster, whose tagline is Wicked Good Seafood, had the privilege of catering the after-party of Hunger Games star Jennifer Lawrence and art dealer Cook Maroney's wedding at the luxurious Belcourt of Newport, a mansion in Newport, Rhode Island. Kevin Tortorella, the owner of the food truck company, knew he was going to be catering for a big event, but was surprised that his specialty seafood and lobster rolls would be the main fanfare for a celebrity wedding. Tortorella got a call the next day from Lawrence's rep saying his service and food were excellent. That's got to feel good. I know, right? <laughs> and he is being plastered all over social media, so good for him. Oh, yeah. Um, but some of the items served to the 150 guests, including Adele, Kris Jenner, Ashley Olsen, and Amy Schumer, featured a traditional lobster roll served on a brioche bun, the Connecticut lobster roll dipped in warm butter, and the Asian fusion lobster roll featuring the perfect blend of ponzu sauce and sriracha topped with fresh basil. Other options on Mainly Lobster's menu included crab rolls, clam rolls, scallop rolls, lobster mac and cheese, fish and chips, a haddock filet sandwich, and warm cups of lobster bisque. I could eat all of that. All of that sounds good. Not one menu item doesn't intrigue me at even me a, oh my gosh either. so much <laughs> so i need i need those lobster rolls in my life me too um luckily a work trip early next month will be bringing me into the boston area so hopefully i can report back and see if the food is as good as everyone has reported and i'm, I'm gonna be a little bit jealous so you're gonna have to take some good pictures of that food yes i will and i'll try and i'll try and snack one <laughs> it's only a six hour drive yeah. it's not too far <laughs> Um, but that about does it for us. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Foreign Trade Data. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. bye bye bye